Well, good evening. Yeah, so if I haven't met you yet, my name is Chris. I am um, just, it's a privilege to be, be able to be here to share a Devo with you tonight. So our verse for tonight that we're going to be meditating on is in Psalms. It's in Psalm 103, verse 12. Is it up there? Sweet. Um, it says this, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he, that is God, remove our transgressions from, from us. So as far as the east is from the west, so far does God remove our transgressions from us. And so it's as straightforward as it gets, right? And I think it's pretty evident, but you don't need to be a seminary student. You don't need to know Hebrew to get to exactly what David is trying to get across here, that our God removes our transgressions, and that is our sins far away from us. And how far? Well, it's as far as the east is from the west. So further than we can measure, further than we can imagine. So that's what David is trying to tell us here, right? So although David, he couldn't be more straightforward here in this verse, here's what I'm praying for right now and what I've been praying for as I've been prepping. I'm praying that God would not allow the, the simplicity of this statement to distract us from just how glorious this reality is, that a holy God would remove our sins from us. Like how merciful and how compassionate and how loving is this God? And quite honestly, how unbelievable is it that a holy God does not deal with us according to our sins? That he doesn't repay us according to what we actually deserve, according to our iniquities? Because the reality is, if he did, right? If he actually marked our sins and actually kept score, like so to speak, like, who of us in here could actually stand before him? And so praise God that for those whose faith is in Jesus, that he removes our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. And so may God never let this news grow stale within our hearts. Because if I'm honest, sometimes it just becomes old news to me, just to be straight with you guys. Like, oftentimes, I'm just not moved by it. I've, I've grown too accustomed to it, or maybe I'm just too familiar with it, that functionally speaking, not theologically speaking, but functionally speaking, I act like I'm just entitled to it. Like, yeah, well, I'm supposed to be loved by God, right? Well, I'm not. And so sometimes I just act like I'm entitled to the fact that God should remove my sin rather than standing in an awe of the fact that a holy God has removed my sin from us or from me as far as the east is from the west. And so just as we learned this morning from Nick, let's never stop praying that God in his grace and by the power of his spirit would help us, would cause us, along with all the saints, right, to comprehend together the breadth, the length, the depth, the greatness of our love or of God's love for us, right? And so let's never stop praying for that. But anyway, kind of as is usual for this, like these kind of moments in these Sunday evening devos, um, we don't have our very long, so it's just kind of a short time together. And so here's really how I want to like spend kind of the remainder of my time with you guys. I just want to share with you some of my reflections as I've been kind of meditating on this verse the past couple of days, um, this reality, this glorious reality that God removes our sins from us. But I say that just to kind of level set expectations. What I'm not going to do during the rest of our time here is actually so much as exegetically teach Psalm 1 3, 12 
as much as I just want to meditate on it and reflect on it and maybe share some of the things that I've been thinking about and even praying about in regards to how I, want, I, I hope that its implications will be played out in my life as well as in yours. And so just kind of all cards on the table, that's where we're going to spend tonight. It's not going to be as much teaching as it is reflecting. And I'm just kind of going to get to invite you guys into some of the thoughts that, um, that I've been getting to have this, this, this past couple of days. So that's the plan. So here's my reflection. Because when I read this verse, Psalm 103.12, I get a little nostalgic. Because for me, I think back to my college days. Because that's when I first encountered this verse. And so it's about 15 years ago, and I'm like super young in my faith, on fire for the Lord, passionate about the gospel, passionate about his word, passionate for ministry. I'm involved in gospel ministry in the inner city of my, of my community that was, I was living at at the time, planning on moving um, to East Asia uh, as a missionary after graduating. And so that's kind of the context when I kind of came across this verse, that I was just on fire for the Lord. But simultaneously, I was also just deeply... Um, to be frank with you, I was deeply entrenched in a lot of sin because I was just, I was still young in the faith. And so a lot of the hangups and even former addictions that I was living in before I was walking with Jesus, it was still kind of just a part of me. And so I loved the Lord with a genuine spirit, with a genuine heart, but I also couldn't seem to escape this, um, this pattern where I would continuously indulge in the desires of my flesh and I would do this, and when it would happen, I would be sad, and I'd confess to my brothers and pastors and mentors about it. And I would repent, and I would cling to the hope of the gospel that God forgives sins in Jesus. But it didn't take long before I was right back in it. And so I'd be enslaved in the sin, I'd confess, I'd repent, I'd cling to the hope of the gospel, I'd be good, and a week later, I'm back in it. And it was just this constant cycle. And so for me, for for me, like in that time, what I felt like was I was stuck in this constant cycle. And the reason I share all of this right now is because I remember thinking to myself at that time, I remember thinking, I wonder if God is just kind of tired of this cycle that I'm living in. Like, I wonder if God is actually tired of me. And it's in that context that I got to, by the grace of God, came across this verse, Psalm 103.12, that as far as the east is from the west. So far has God removed my transgressions from me. And if I could be just share with you, this verse was a balm for, a, for my, my hurting soul, my struggling soul. And so my sins, at that time, I, I was really, really, maybe even feeling shame over it. But for the first time, kind of like the song that we just sang earlier, my sins were so many, but for the first time I got to realize, but his mercy is more, right? He has removed my sins far away from me, as far as the east is from the west. And he has saved me and forgiven me in Jesus. That was a great time in, uh, in, my, in my life. But if I'm honest, this verse was pivotal during my college years. But the more that I struggled with sin, the more, if I'm honest, the more I wondered, maybe God has removed my sin from me as far as the east is from the west. So yes, I do know that he loves me in Jesus. But at the time I was wondering, I wonder if he only loves me because he has to, because he's a God of his word, right? And so he needs to keep his word. Like maybe, it, I know it sounds silly, but maybe he has removed my sins from me and maybe he loves me, but does he like me? Like 
that see delight in me. And I remember thinking, I wonder if I need to clean myself up more and look more like my other church friends if I'm truly to enjoy that intimacy that I see everyone else enjoying and that depth of communion and fellowship with God. And so it wasn't a matter of did he forgive me, but it was a matter of does he like me? Does he delight in me? And so Psalm 103.12, that verse, it, it was a balm for my soul and taught me so much about God, but it also really kicked off for me this, like this journey to discover more of God's heart specifically for struggling Christians, like myself at the time, and really, to be honest, like myself right now, right? And, um, and I don't know, to be honest, I don't know many of you guys. Um, I don't know where you're coming from in regards to your walk with Christ or your walk um, your view of God, your perspective of God's view of you. I don't know where you stand in these regards. And so I realize that I'm standing here, and I might be completely alone here. Um, and so that's a vulnerable thing. But maybe there's someone in here, or maybe there are some people in here, and you're dealing with maybe certain sin patterns and addictions like I was that you can't seem to shake, right? And deep down in the depths of your heart, Maybe you're just alone in your own journal or maybe just um, to your own thoughts. You're wondering, maybe you feel like your relationship with God and God's view of you also kind of rests on shaky ground. And if that is you, what I want to do is I want to just ask if I can encourage you with something, that you're not alone. And I don't say that just because you're not alone because I personally feel for you, although I do. But you're not alone because we got to remember, I'm... um, my story and your story is the same as the story of as the man who, who actually wrote this verse, right? It was David. And we all know that he had a lot of issues, but he was able to pen this. That as far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed my sins from me. But much more so, actually, much more than King David, your story and my story is the story of the whole nation of Israel as we, as we kind of walk through the Old Testament, Because what's interesting for me is when I read Psalm 103, I still remember, and I just kept on reading. And if you were to keep reading, so Psalm 103, if you were to just keep reading three psalms over, you'd be in Psalm 106, right? And in Psalm 106, what you get is you get this kind of this 30,000-foot kind of overview of the history of the nation of Israel, a.k.a. a history of Israel's failures and sins, and many, many failures and sins. But you'd also, if you read Psalm 106, you would get that history, but you'd also see how God responds to every single time Israel fails, every single time that they do it again and again and sin and sin and sin. And so what you get is, yes, Israel's sin, but you also get God's response. And so over and over again, you would read things like this, and this is regarding Israel, you would read things like, Both we and our fathers have sinned. We've committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. We have forgotten our God. We exchanged him for the image of an ox and we worshiped it. We have provoked the Lord to anger with our deeds. We have all rebelled. You can see all of that in Psalm 106 over and over and over again. And you're reading this and what you're reading about is a nation entrenched in the cycle of sin. And how does God respond to them? What does God do to them? 
Well, he does discipline them like a loving father would to his children. He does do that, but over and over again, over and over again, he saves them. He delivers them. He forgives them. The text would even say this in verse 46 of that psalm, Psalm 106. According to the abundance of his steadfast love, what would he do? He would redeem them from their sins, despite how repetitive they had become in their sins. And what I want to say today is, this is our God, right? That even though we can fall over and over and over again, our God is merciful, right? Our God is gracious, like Psalm 103 will say before this verse, right? He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. He doesn't keep his anger forever, right? He doesn't deal with us according to our sins. He doesn't repay us according to our iniquities. Does this sound like a God who only loves us out of obligation? No, this is a God who delights in us despite our sin, right? For as high as the heavens are above the earth, that's how great his love is, his steadfast love is towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, that's far as far as he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his child, and so God shows compassion to those who fear him. This is our God, right? Our God removes our sins far away from us. Our sins used to be a part of us, or more accurately, our sins used to be in us, but our sins, although they used to define us in the sense that sin wasn't just what we, something that we did, it was who we were. Like it was a part of our nature, I mean, right? But God, in his grace, when he removes the sin, he removes it from us like a skilled surgeon will remove a cancer from a dying patient, right? He just removes it. And what does God do, though, with that sin that he just removed? Because he didn't just ignore it, right? He wouldn't just ignore our sin because if he did, what would he be? He'd be unjust, A judge, a just judge, can't just overlook any offense and act like it didn't happen, right? That's unjust. That's not our God. He didn't remove our sins like a child and just act like it wasn't there by closing his eyes, right? That's not what he does. That's not who he is. God removed our sins from us by placing them on his son. That's what God did. Jesus was sent down from heaven to live that perfect life that we were trying to live, but we just couldn't, could we? We kept on sinning. Over and over and over again, we just kept on sinning. But it was on that cross that God removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west by putting them on his son. Jesus was the one who bore that sin that was removed from us. And he didn't even deserve it, right? That's love. That he who knew no sin, he didn't even know it, but became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5.21. And that's compassion. That's mercy, right? And I don't want us to miss this because this is, this is really where I want to end it. It doesn't matter how much we've, we've fallen into sin, and this is what I was learning in college. It doesn't matter if we've done this over and over and again. God has still removed our sin. We are no longer defined by it, right? Because we now have a new identity. We have a new name, so to speak. My name now is the righteousness of God. And what I mean is, he who knew no sin became sin. Why? 
so that I might become the righteousness of God. So at the most fundamental level, right, my name is not as much Chris as much as my name is God's righteousness, right? That is more true about me than even my name being Chris. That's what's incredible about the love of God, right? And so therefore, when God looks at me, when he looks at you, even if I had just fallen into the same sin for the 10,000th time, according to this verse, when God looks at you, you know what he sees? He sees his own righteousness, the righteousness of God. He doesn't see my sin. He sees his own son, Jesus, the righteousness of God. And so when you or I, when we're caught up in sin for the nth time, and we're tempted to despair because of our sin and think thoughts like I, I used to think and honestly maybe sometimes even still think about God, yes, I know you removed my sin as far as the east is from the west. I know you love me in Jesus, but does it, is it just out of obligation? Like, do you actually like me? Am I actually delighted in by you? When we're tempted to think thoughts like this, we really need to remember Scripture trumps our thoughts, Right? He who knew no sin became sin. And now I am the righteousness of God. We ought to be preaching to ourselves like this. When God looks at me, he sees God's righteousness. Or he sees his son, really. And do you know what God feels when he sees his son, Jesus? And I love this. Matthew, in his gospel, he gives us a really beautiful glimpse of it, right? Because in Matthew 3, when Jesus is getting baptized, the heavens opened up and a voice came from heaven. And it was God speaking about Jesus. And God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So if that's true, since you and I have become the righteousness of God, that is, that when God sees us, he sees his son, that means that when God looks at you, when God looks at me, he's not thinking ever, not even for a moment, well, I suppose I'll love you. Well, I suppose that I'll forgive you. No, instead he says, this is my son. This is my daughter. I'm so pleased with you because of what Jesus has done on your behalf. Right? You are my beloved. And so that's how God feels when he looks at you. No matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've done what you've done, a thousand times you can fail, his mercy remains. How wonderful is our God. As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us because he loves us. And it's fitting then that this verse exists within a psalm that begins and ends with the same phrase, bless the Lord, O my soul. In other words, praise him, right? This is something that I've been doing this past week as I've been prepping. Every morning when I wake up, and I, I don't usually wake up with good thoughts, and I actually don't usually wake up with good thoughts about what God might be thinking about me, just my natural temperament. So for me, what I'm trying to do is every morning when I wake up, first thought, first thing that comes out of my mouth, man, as far as the heavens are above the earth, that's how much God loves me. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed my sins from me. Just like a father has compassion on his child, that's how much he has compassion on me. And I preach to myself. And so I would encourage you, 
if you struggle with similar things, do that the first thing you wake up tomorrow morning and see how God uh, ministers to your heart throughout the day.